Welcome into another episode of Grass is Always Greener. I'm your host, Ryan Elke. The tournament field is set. State is in. It was we had to sweat it out. <laughs> we had to really sweat this one out. Uh, so it's let's not take it for granted, but let's get into it. We going dancing again. Ready? One, two. Grass is always greener. Here's your host, Ryan Elke. Welcome into Grass is Always Greener. Find us on Twitter at Always Green MSU. I'm your host, Ryan Elke. Find me on Twitter, Ryan E-L underscore key. 23 straight NCAA tournaments. Would be 24 if there was a tournament last year. Michigan State barely gets in. They are the playing game. And they were the last playing game announced in the East region of the NCAA tournament. And listen, there's a lot of things we can kind of be upset about the way the tournament was selected. Um, Kind of state being in the playing game when you kind of look at other teams that aren't. Um, For example, UCLA, who they're going to play Thursday night. UCLA has one win over a tournament team and it's Colorado a team like Syracuse that gets the bye that's not in the playing game they have one win over a tournament team that's North Carolina Utah State that gets a bye they have I think two top 50 net wins one was over San Diego State who's a six seed in the tournament so there's things to complain about the selection the way it is because as we know as everyone else knows Michigan State has the best resume among among probably half the teams in the field because you can't fake your way through two wins over there are three wins over Illinois Ohio State Michigan two number one seeds and a two seed you, you just don't see lower-tier teams with that. What does come with it, though, are a lot of bad losses. And now, technically, in the net ratings, there's no bad loss for them because they're just, what, like, Northwestern, even though it's on the road, Northwestern was ranked at the time as a bad loss. Minnesota on the road, bad, bad loss because they're just by a lot of points. Getting smacked around by Iowa, getting demolished by Maryland twice like as much as we want to tout the wins for this Michigan State team we remember those losses right (laughs) I think it's just one of those times where I think we felt comfortable enough after the the game versus Michigan where it's like okay we're in and the fact that for state fans we all had to sweat it out until the last three minutes of the selection show. 
Like I felt when they announced Syracuse, I felt confident that state wasn't going to be in a playing game. It's like, if they're making it as an at large, like no playing game state should be fine. But lo and behold, state's in the playing game. And I think we can figure out why Michigan state versus UCLA Thursday night, 10 o'clock. They want eyeballs. Like, you're not getting eyeballs with, let's see, other, like, Syracuse, you probably could. Utah State, you're not drawing anyone in having Utah State play Thursday night. So, any other 12 seeds I can think of. Uh, All the other 12 seeds are conference champions. So... And the NCAA, I guess, has a rule where conference tournament champions cannot play in the playing games, which is such a freaking hypocritical rule. And I'll tell you this why. There's two 16 playing games. I'm sorry, are, are they conference champions? Oh, so they, they can be in playing games. But teams like Georgetown and Oregon State... They deserve the buy. Their whole body of work says they deserve the buy. That's what this playing game should be for. Should be for a fact if some team like Georgetown in the Big East or Oregon State in the Pac-12 has this huge run and gets in when they're not supposed to be in. So it's a little hypocritical that... The mid-major, or not even mid-major, the Power Five conference tournament champions can't be in the playing game. Excuse my language, just horseshit and hypocritical from the NCAA. But granted, when isn't the NCAA that way? So it is what it is. Like I said, I I think for all of us state fans, we were mad, we were upset be in a playing game to be announced as one of the last teams in and I think from at least what I saw on Twitter and at least how kind of I felt too I was a little pissed off but then just everything set in 23 straight tournaments we've been spoiled that doesn't mean yet we have a right to not be upset over the selection committee doesn't mean we no right to not be upset of just how other teams were seated. But I think it all set in after a few minutes, like we made it. And something I'll take from what Tom Izzo was saying last night after the selection is, yeah, I downplayed the importance of the streak throughout the season. Now you do that to protect your players. This is, they already have enough pressure on them. They don't need to know how how much the pressure is from the coach's point. So that's a great job from Izzo. And Izzo says, like, the streak is much more than me, much more than these players on this team. It's to Mateen Cleaves, Morris Peterson, Shannon Brown, Chris Hill, Travis Walton, Travis Trice, Drew Neitzel. Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson, Denzel Valentine, 
Travis Walton. Hell, like, even Garrick Sherman. Like, Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman. Like, it's to all the guys that kept this streak alive for 23 years and added on to this streak. It's having the pride of being a Michigan State basketball fan and saying, you know what, there's only a few schools like here where you're going to go every single year. Kansas, 31 straight years. Michigan State, 23 straight years. Gonzaga, 22 straight years. After that, it drops down to 10 to North Carolina. And North Carolina was not good last year. They weren't going to make the tournament. So they were kind of saved by the tournament not being canceled to keep that new streak alive. Both Kansas, Bill Self wasn't there for all 31 years. You see Duke's run. Ended at 24 straight years. Coach K has been there for every single one of them. Tom Izzo has been here for every single one of these tournaments. Gonzaga's at 22. I believe Mark Few has been at every single one of them. Let me check Mark Few really quick to see if he actually has been at every single one. But that's what it means to just be that that special. To know that that's just we're still in the tournament. We're still here. So yeah, Mark Few, twenty-two straight years, uh NCAA tournament for Gonzaga. Um then honestly like damn, they've won I mean granted they play in the WCC, so it's not not like it's that impressive to keep winning that if you have this good of a program, but here we are. <sighs> we're happy. We're healthy. We're in the tournament. We have a tournament. We have a bracket. So let's break it down. So if, uh, I'll get into UCLA in just a minute. Kind of the path Michigan State has. They play Thursday night, 10 o'clock. Again, they're putting the first – I think they had enough to not be in the first four. But Michigan State, UCLA, playing game Thursday night sounds a hell of a lot better than UCLA, Utah State. You get more eyeballs on it. It sucks that you're in that situation, but here we are. Um, If they win, they go on to play BYU on Saturday night at 940. BYU, there's one familiar face there that we know of. It's Matt Arms was at Purdue Lengthy, like seven three, 120 pounds. Justin Bieber floppy haircut, not the bowl cut, but just the one, the hair that just always eyes always always swiping his hair back has the has the mouth on him. So that's what's to look forward to. If somehow they win Saturday, because again the tournament schedule is different this year. The first four is on Thursday. First round is Friday, Saturday. Second round's Sunday, Monday. So they play Monday probably late again as well. And if it all matches up, it would be against Texas. Texas has uh, Abilene Christian take on Saturday. So, again, that's Shaka Smart. So no Shaka Smart, the only coach. In NCAA history to take a team from the first four to the final four. 
So some nice little parallels there. But going to this matchup, there are also some parallels that don't work in Michigan State's favor. First off, the 10 p.m. tip-off time, playing at UCL, UCLA time. Try to get the West Coast eyeballs in. Again, they're playing in Indiana, so it's not like we're on the West Coast getting a regular tip-off time. It's a late tip-off for everyone, but it's on UCLA's body clock. Playing at Purdue, John Wooden's University that he went to. A statue of John Wooden right outside, and again, it's at Purdue where we haven't won there in how many years? <laughs> I believe this current group of guys is 0-5 career in Mackey Arena. The only people on staff that have wins as players at Purdue, like Dwayne Stevens, Dane Fife, and someone else. Like no no current player on this team has a win at Mackey. So we'll see. We'll see. Again, those are just those are just the the fun narratives going into the game. Getting into the game, UCLA uh, their head coach is Mick Cronin. If you're wondering that he was at Cincinnati for a lot of years, like we know his Cincinnati teams, they're tough, they're gritty, they just get the job done. Like Mick Cronin's trying to bring Midwest basketball out to LA, and it hasn't been the greatest of starts, but 17-9 record, 13 and six record in the Pac-12, conference record in the Pac-12. If you're wondering why a 13-6 and six conference record is getting you to a playing game, they have zero good wins. <laughs> Their only win over a tournament team is a three-point win over Colorado. Uh, they never had a chance to play Oregon this year. They had them on the schedule three different times, got postponed each time, but UCLA is riding a four-game losing streak into this game. They lost to Colorado late February. Oh, they ended up do, they ended up playing Oregon. So that third schedule did happen. Lose to Oregon by eight points. Lose to USC by a point. And then first round of the Pac-12 tournament, they lose to Oregon State, who went on to win the whole conference tournament. They lose to them eighty-three to seventy-nine. And this team is it's. If you say hey, four-game losing streak. They also have two of their top players that are out for the year in Chris Smith and Jalen Hill. That's almost 19 combined points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, just gone. One of the better three-point shooters of the team, Chris Smith, is is out. So they are looking. It's a little bit of a, a scrap-and-piece duct-tape job that Mick Cronin's had to do the second half of the year. The way you see how... LA plays an efficient offense, I believe like offensive efficiency. They ranked like 25th in the nation. They have some guys that can shoot threes, but they don't shoot a lot of threes. They try to work inside for a lot of their points. As for defense, they are prone to give up the three, which for Michigan state, we all know that's not a strength. They like to try to, I don't want to say necessarily play like Maryland because I haven't watched enough of their games. I've watched like a game here and there of them just because I've always liked the school of, U- of UCLA. But it seems like they're more concerned about, you know, shutting down the paint, which is Michigan State's bread and butter. 
But one advantage Michigan State has is that they'll have size over UCLA. Like the two guys that are out, Smith and Hill, are 6'9 and 6'10. Other than that, they really only play two guys that are above 6'6. Play Cody Riley and Mac Etienne. But again, Mac Etienne doesn't get that many minutes, about 13 minutes a game. Where Riley, he's he's a starter, and it seems that doesn't seem like they rebound all particularly well. But granted, size. So hopefully, the game that Malik Hall had against Maryland, see a repeat performance. Joey Hauser, you hope come comes alive. Marcus Bingham create matchup problems. Julius Marble matchup problems. This is where you may have to rely on. Some guys that haven't been consistent to really jumpstart this offense. And we've seen Izzo try to do that. Like Malik Hall had the first five points in the game against Maryland. We've seen Julius Marble come out hot, but then get two fouls. I was reading one preview, and it's like, yeah, like Michigan State, like they they can really grind out defense, but they come off the bus with eight fouls. And isn't that the damn truth? Like, we know how good this team de- can be defensively. It's just the ticky-tack fouls that they keep making over and over and over and over again. So, you hope Malik Hall can have a good game. This would be a great game for Gabe Brown to kind of bust it open. Because UCLA doesn't defend the three that well, and he's your best three-point shooter. You hope if Rocket Watts is in a good mindset, he could have a good game at the three-point line. Joey Hauser, matchup problems. But again, we've seen a lot of inconsistency from Hauser and Watts. Or It's like, can we really rely on these guys to break a game open? So it's going to be a tough one. Not because I think UCLA's that like better than Michigan State. It's more of the inconsistencies Michigan State has shown over the season. I mean, it is what it is. Gotta call a spade a spade here. This is why it's why they're in the playing game. But it's a very winnable game because MSU does have the size advantage. I think they do have the better players on the court. Right? UCLA loves to spread the ball around. They have, of the players that are available, five people that average double-digit points. Jaime Jaquez, 12 points a game. Johnny Juzang, 14 points a game, leading scorer. Tiger Campbell, 10.5 points a game. Jules Bernard, 10.4 Cody Riley 10.2 so you're not going to be able to lock down on one guy like this is our guy because they can move it around and have other people score but we know you know okay Rocket Watts good on ball defender Josh Lankford can be a good on ball defender Aaron Henry good defender Marcus Bingham Great down low. Julius Marble is tough to move down in the post. So 
so it I don't mind this matchup to start off. And honestly, like it might be good for this Michigan State team to get a win under their belt versus a team like this to build that confidence going into BYU instead of going in cold. We saw BYU. Their last game was the WCC Championship where they were beating Gonzaga at halftime, and they were just lighting it up on offense. So it might be good for Michigan State to get that win under their belt and as we know, this team's comfortable with quick one-day prep turnarounds. Not only is Tom Izzo one of the best at it, but to have your team already have the experience of a tournament-like atmosphere in the regular season, of having to do a quick turnaround, hey, we haven't played this team before this season, let's go and go out and win. Like, it's one thing if, like, you're UCLA, you play these games on two days rest, a couple teams like Oregon you haven't seen before, Colorado you haven't seen in months, but they're losing those games. Where Michigan State, they're doing the quick turnaround. They come out, they beat Indiana. They do a one-day turnaround, beat Illinois do a one-day turnaround for a team they faced months ago in Ohio State, beat Ohio State. So that's one thing that I find a little confidence this team of maybe winning a game or two is that they've just went through a situation like this. Now they're on a few days rest, get their legs back from under them, come out fresh. Oh. I'm excited. Just excited. The NCAA tournament's back. Just hope we never have to sweat out something like this ever again because we're spoiled. But I love being a spoiled fan of this team. I love, like, I mean, you knew how it went. How weird was it to have to sweat out a selection Sunday? Never been through that. Never. And hope I never have to do it again. That day will come, but hope that day will never come. <laughs> so, Thursday, 10 o'clock, True TV, Thursday Night Smackdown between Mick Cronin and Tom Izzo. I'm a little quiet because I'm in my office right now, so I can't be too loud, too animated, but I'm just excited that we get a tournament. So it's not the way we thought, especially after last year. Could have been a national championship run with Winston and Tillman. Not the way we want to restart our tournament experience. Going from Final Four, thinking we have a, a title contender in 2020, to not having that chance. But, hey, we're still in it. We're still here, despite all the shit we went through this season. <laughs> Uh, as for the committee, bleep off. When has the committee ever gotten anything 100% right? And then they throw out this net rating. Michigan State's at 70, I think, I believe is the last I saw. 
And if you want to know the net rating, if how much of a joke that it is, a team like Colgate, they're the number 14 seed in the South. They're going to play Arkansas. They're 14 and one. They're a top 10 team in the net rating. They've played four teams this year. That's it. They've played Army and, like, two other teams. Their one loss came to Army in, like, a three-game series that they did. Like, so the people that put the heavy stock in, like, well, their net rating so low, that's why they're here. Net rating, shit. When a team is higher in the net rating than their actual seeding, kind of says something about your rating system, doesn't it? So, honest opinion, state shouldn't be in the playing game, but money talks. So, Michigan State, UCLA sounds a lot better than Utah State and Syracuse, or Utah State and UCLA. It is what it is. And also, like, cut out that dumb rule that conference tournament champions can't be in the playing game because you're doing it with the 16 seeds. Why do those guys have to go through playing games? Why wouldn't you reserve it for teams like, why isn't Georgetown, Oregon State playing each other? They're two teams that have no reason being in this tournament. But yet, they get the they get the pass. So, maybe that's some things the committee needs to figure out. Will they? Do we have trust in the NCAA getting something right? No. But here we are, another NCAA tournament Thursday night. I'm ready for it. Hopefully, another magical run. If not, I don't know. It is what it is. We'll get there when we come to it. But, again, thank you all for listening, downloading, subscribing. Find the podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, podcast.com. Find the podcast on Twitter, always green MSU. Uh, find me on Twitter, Ryan Eel underscore key. You'll find a lot of post-game video, what the players are saying, what time is those saying. Also cover Michigan basketball as well. So you get to see what – What's happening in Michigan had the video up of Juwan Howard talking what happened with Mark Turgeon on Friday afternoon. So if you want content like that, go to my Twitter, Ryan EL underscore key, hit the follow button. You'll um, it'll be the first I'll be the first one with post game video up from what these coaches are saying. Guarantee it. So that's the content you love. Go to my Twitter. Hit the follow button. That'll wrap it up, though. This episode of Grass is Always Greener. It's tournament time. Let's fill out those brackets. Grand, you're penciling in Gonzaga, filling in the rest, or you're penciling in Michigan State and filling out the rest. Got to have both, right? (laughs) As always, go green. Ready? One, two. another episode of grass is always greener make sure you subscribe apple google or spotify why not all three